You're listening to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast from Clear Creek Community Church, located in the Bay Area of Houston. Welcome everyone to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast. I'm Rachel. Thanks so much for joining us today. On today's episode, I talked with our teaching pastor, Yancey Arrington, about the great diversity of beliefs, even within the Christian church, which beliefs are essential and which beliefs are not important enough to divide us. How do we know the difference? I hope this helps. Yancey, welcome back to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast. Thanks, Rachel. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you here. Yeah, yeah, thanks. In Lake City, not in Jerusalem. Right. Which the last time we had a podcast, that's yeah. where we were. That's true. It's true. It's, uh, we've gone quite a bit of, a lot of miles between there and here, but uh, I'm, yes, I'm glad different. to be back. Yes. Mm-hmm. So when we were in Jerusalem, so, so you and I and our spouses, Jennifer and Aaron, went to Jerusalem a few weeks ago, for those of you who don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, we we recorded a podcast there, which if you want to listen to it, it's just a little bit about that trip. Yep. But something that was just really noticeable while we were there was the diversity of the Christians there. Yeah. Because there's so many pilgrims. We went to all these really cool places like the Holy Sepulcher, mm-hmm. where they think that Jesus actually died mm-hmm. and was, you know, where he's crucified and buried and resurrected. We yep. went to the Garden of Gethsemane and there's people from all over the world. Mm-hmm. And they look different, and they speak different languages, and they worship differently. Yep. So it was, you know, a little bit strange, you know, sure. coming from a suburb in yeah. Texas. <laughs> right. But also really beautiful. So so just to start us out in this conversation, how do we even think about that? Just the diversity yeah. of the church. Yeah, I think, believe it or not, I, Houston is the most diverse city in the United States of America. We have more language groups here, more people groups than anywhere else, even more than New York or LA, which is fascinating to think about. Um, And yet in Houston, it depends on where you live. If you live, like you mentioned, if you live in the suburbs, if you're kind of a a Friendswood person or a League City person, uh, you can often really see people that are just like you. Uh, We're a high Anglo community around here, good or bad, just what we are. And yet you don't even have to go five or so miles north and you're in a very diverse place. For example, like I would argue our most diverse campus right now is our Clear Lake campus because when you walk in there, you you see people from who are from Africa, mm-hmm. not African-Americans, people who are, who've come from Africa that are working here at NASA. Uh, you have people from Brazil and it's, it's incredibly diverse. And so um, it, it kind of depends where you live, but even that, uh, Clear Creek's pretty homogeneous when it comes to our style of worship. That's just mm-hmm. kind of how it is. That's, every church has their culture. And yet when we go to Jerusalem, as you mentioned, I mean, we're, for example, you mentioned the Holy Sepulchre. We're in the Holy Sepulchre. I got there a little early one day because I wanted to, we, we were in Jerusalem on a day where, frankly, no one was there. It's kind of a freak thing. A lot of things going on, good and bad, that kept that city pretty uh, empty. And I ran off to the Holy Sepulchre. And when I got there, uh, there were a whole group. It was full with worshipers, but all from one group, the people that actually lived there. There were Benedictine monks and nuns uh, who were worshiping there, and they were speaking a language that I had studied in high school and college. And the only reason I knew it's because I, I could hear them is because I knew that language a little bit. They were speaking Latin. They were singing Latin. Uh, I don't know enough about my, 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 my Latin's dropped off so much. I, could, I just knew they were speaking in that. And they have incense, and they have uh, even had someone playing some music, but it, w- it was nothing like Hillsong mm-hmm. or anything else that you might hear at Clear Creek. 
And uh, I, I love that you used the word strange and yet beautiful. It was both of those things. And I think what that, what that did for me, first of all, I'm captivated by those kinds of things. I've, I've kind of have a penchant for church history, and I love the diversity of the church throughout the ages because there's just stuff to learn uh, from it, good or bad, good and bad. But um, just to be there and to know these are all people that really are all part of one family, but because we've grown up in different parts of the world and been exposed to different parts of the Christian church, we all are going to have different experiences and different ways that we, we express those um, acts of love or contrition or adoration to God. And so um, a lot of churches, I'd probably argue most of the churches around the world are not like Clear Creek, but are all kind of more liturgical, which means they have a specific kind of order in which they do their services. They're more formal. Uh, they're, you know, I don't want to say they're more reverent than we are, but the, they, they focus more on the transcendent or the kind of the God is big stuff instead of the imminent, like he's close. Uh, and so all of that conditions the way that they do what they do. They wear religious garb or raiments. Uh, so uh, looking at all that, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I guess to get to your question, is um, you know how, how should we feel about that? There are a lot of things we should feel. I think the first thing we should feel is um, we should just be appreciative of it. You know, that's, that, that, Global Christianity isn't a one-size-fits-all kind of deal. I mean, it, it can the faith can grow in any place. It can grow in the hearts of the rainforest. It can grow in the En Gedi region in the Judean wilderness. It can grow in the southern part of the Bay Area, known as Houston, Texas, and Friendswood, and League City, and Clear Lake, and Dickinson. And um, it can look different. And I, I, I really like that. I mean, it's one of the reasons I think the faith has grown, not the least of which is the Lord's allowed it to do that. But it, it has a way where it can get into a culture and settle into a culture because it's, it's really transcultural. Uh, it started off with Israel. Yeah, people might argue, well, it's an Israelite kind of. It did start like that. But even Israel was known to be, they were called to be the light to the world. And so Israel was supposed to share the gospel, if you will, the, the, the truth about Yahweh with all kinds of nations around it. And um, in fact, that's why the Lord calls them the light of the world, which is the exact same thing that Jesus calls the new covenant people of God, the church in Matthew 5 through 7, in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, now you're the light of the world. And so, except uh, in the second stage, if you will, or the fuller expression of God's people of the church, they really have gone to the ends of the earth. And so, when, you're, when you get to go to places um, and see kind of the ends of the earth showing up, it's pretty overwhelming. At least it was for me. I don't. I don't know how it was for you, but it, it was for me. It was overwhelming. It was, it, and it really was um, beautiful. It's a. It's. I think the guy that we were with was talking about how this is a picture of you know what Revelation talks about. Oh yeah. With every tongue confessing and every knee bowing, and you sort of get some you know vague picture of what that might look like and feel like when you see all these different people from all these different cultures and traditions oh, yeah. worshiping the same Jesus. Yeah. It's, it's re- it really is beautiful, yeah. but it's also like, you're like, oh, I've never even heard that. I don't know what they're saying or what they're doing, mm-hmm. but they still follow Jesus. And I think that, so there's so many different types of diversity in the church. Sure. You know, there's, there's cultural diversity and there's, um, you know, racial diversity and there's um, even applications that are diverse. Mm-hmm. Um so what I want to ask you about today is, is what does it look like to have diverse beliefs within the church? Because even in the Holy Sepulchre, which whatever, whatever, sure. where we were, yeah. uh, there were four sections even within that church. Right. And those, um, it was the, 
you have to help me, the Orthodox, mm-hmm. Greek Orthodox, yep. there was Catholic, mm-hmm. Roman Catholic, yep. there was... What else was there? Oh, gosh. I don't even remember. I mean, now that you said f- I'd yeah. forgotten that there were divisions, and there are, um, just like when we had the opportunity to go to uh, the Church of the Nativity, which is split in half, uh-huh. half Catholic, half Orthodox. Right. And they own the same piece of property. They just have to, you know, they have to share. Uh, but no, you're absolutely right. Um, I, don't, I don't remember. I just know that... There were a lot of them. There were a lot of them, and they're divided up. Even and- Jerusalem is divided. You have the yes. Armenian section, right. which are Christians, and uh-huh. then the Christian section, which just says it's the Christian right. quarter, I should say. So, yeah. yeah it's, and some of it's cultural, yep. but some of it has more fundamental beliefs sure, attached yeah. to the differences. Absolutely. And so I think that that's just a helpful conversation to have. Yeah. How, how do we think through how we are unified mm-hmm. in Jesus? So we have this unity, and we're talking about diversity, but yeah. when you're thinking about what we actually believe— about the faith, yep. how, how can we think through that? What What is most important? What's maybe not important? How, how do we even frame that? Yeah, I, I think throughout the throughout the ages, that's that's not a new question. It's a great question because it's, it's not new because every church era from almost the first century on has had to deal with, okay, as our, as our beliefs develop and we have different Christian communities, uh, that exist in and of themselves, and that doesn't mean they don't they don't interact with other Christian communities, but they develop different belief systems um, that aren't far afield from the essentials. They all share the essentials. That's what makes them Christian. But over time, uh, the way that they read the Bible, the way they understand certain theological angles, uh, they come to different conclusions. So, for example, even today, uh, when just take baptism. Mm-hmm. Uh, Presbyterians baptize people differently than Methodists do. Methodists do it differently than Baptists. I mean, Baptists even get their name for how specific they do that ordinance, uh, and, and so on and so forth. And even when you come to, you know, if you came from a Catholic background, uh, you might say, oh, we're just like Anglicans. But really, there's a difference of, there's theological differences between their two reasons they do baptism. So just to take that example, I mean, just imagine that over all kinds of different beliefs in Christianity. And so what, <clears throat> excuse me, what people have done over time is they put an order to those beliefs. And they call them different things, primary, secondary, tertiary beliefs. Mm-hmm. I, I hear things like probably in more church history and or theological arguments, I hear like, here's the first order. These are, these are like first order doctrines, second order doctrines, and third order doctrines. And so if you're like, what are the differences? A first order doctrine is a doctrine that is essential to being a Christian, like the resurrection of Jesus, right? Um, we, we, the, the Jesus's death on the cross and his resurrection, that's a first order belief. Uh, a second order doctrine is a very important doctrine that, that might separate uh, people into divisions like uh, different denominations. So for example, a second order doctrine would be potentially baptism. Uh, like, let me use Baptists and Presbyterians. Presbyterians believe in infant baptism and Baptists uh, Southern Baptists believe in what's known as credo baptism, or uh, it's the kind of baptism we embrace at Clear Creek—a uh, baptism for people that have already come to faith. So those are those are big differences, and they're so big that they allow us to create different denominations or groups to go. You know, we don't feel comfortable baptizing babies, and the other group might say, well, "We don't feel comfortable uh, not baptizing babies." It's kind of weird to say that you're baptizing people that just come to faith. Um, we we have a different 
meaning behind our baptism. So those develop over the years, and those congregations that that either share that split and start off different groups, and we even see that happening today. I mean, there. Are, uh, I just read last week that uh, the Methodist denominations already had another split, a schism, um, because of there's a difference of belief on a secondary. And they some would argue even a, a first order doctrine, but that's the difference between first mm-hmm. and second order. First order is like everyone who says that they're a Christian must believe these things. A second order is super important, but um, so much so that we might we might create a whole different group to worship with. A, a third order doctrine is like. It could be even within one one congregation. We just have different beliefs. So, for example, like for us, it would be uh, your view of the millennium. We even mm-hmm. talked about this. So, like uh, the end times view. Hey, do you, are you a amillennialist or a premillennialist or a postmillennialist? Those are those are third order doctrines. They're all important, I would argue, because they all shape how you see God, how you understand the Bible. But there uh, there's a there's a different order in their importance. And so, a, a, a third level. Or third order doctrine would be something where we could disagree at Clear Creek and we would still be in fine full mm-hmm. fellowship. So you could be a post-millennialist. I could be an amillennialist. You know, Aaron, your husband could be a, a pre-millennialist. Jennifer, my wife, could be a pre-millennial dispensationalist. And we could all still hang out and not fight about it. Now, we might fight about it personally and have fun with it, but it wouldn't be any kind of order of fellowship for Clear Creek. And to be worshiping together without yeah. even any problem with our conscience. Not, not at all. At all. Not at all. Yeah. yeah, that's a really good way to say it. So third order things like we all we all just personally in our what, what we feel is a clear biblical conscience to believe this. Um, and and we as the, our elders, we wouldn't we wouldn't want people to fight about that. Like, no, we, we don't have a we're not going to take one stance on this mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to first level or first order doctrine, which is, yeah, we believe that Jesus died on the cross and that he rose again. Yeah. And I think that's really important because I think when people, um, and we're going to work through a lot of this, but when people first start really understanding some of these theological distinctions, yeah. they can sometimes raise up secondary to primary uh-huh. and think, oh, this is essential. So this person is not a believer. Yeah. You have to be really careful about oh, man. that. You have to be really careful about that because, like you said, you know, we go to Jerusalem and we're the minority. We're definitely the minority. There's people everywhere who are worshiping different ways, who have different secondary beliefs, yeah. but we still believe that we have unity in in the gospel. Oh, for sure, and yeah. who Jesus is. Yeah, and I think, I think, um, you know, when 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 you're when you're at places, I mean, frankly, you can do this, and you don't have to go to Israel, uh, spend a bunch of money, mm-hmm. and and take time away <clears throat> from your family to experience the diversity of the body of Christ. Houston really is a great place to do that. You can go to a Greek Orthodox church. You can go to an Ethiopian church. You can go to even actually a Russian Orthodox church. Uh, you can go to um, various and sundry different churches that are from those traditions that would still have that kind of flavor to them as if you were to go to these other places. Um, and so I, I think it's always good to expose people to that because it helps them understand that the church is much broader and we really are the minority. I mean, Southern evangelicals, if you will, if they were to put us in a branch, what what our the name of that branch would be? Southern Evangelical Christians. The way that we do worship really is the minority to what the world does, and and getting outside of that really helps us understand. Like, oh my gosh, these people are Christians, and they they we don't look anything like them. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're we're out there in shorts and t-shirts and you know bucket hats having fun, and these people are still dressed up in. Uh, kind of their religious garb, and they're not like priests or, or uh, nuns. These are, these are just regular Christians. So I'm around some Ethiopian Christians. Ethiopia, by the way, is one of the oldest Christian communities in the world in our history. I think it was the second Christian state 
ever, uh, third century, something like that. And I'm sitting next to some Ethiopian women and uh, I don't understand any of their languages and they're in fervent prayer and they're getting weepy about it because we're right at the Holy Sepulchre, the place mm-hmm. traditionally uh, where, at least where I was in that church that day, where uh, the crucifixion happened. It's overwhelming for everybody. But to see these people and they're kneeling down and they're putting their face to the ground and I'm, I'm kind of weepy there already. And just to, just to be exposed to all that going, my gosh, these are my sisters in Christ. I don't even know anything that they're talking about. I just, I, but, but I connected with them just, you know, heart connected with them. And I thought, man, I wish our whole church could experience this because they would see that diversity is not a weakness. It's a strength mm-hmm. uh, to the, to the church. And, um, but, but to know these women right here from Ethiopia, we share the same beliefs. We both believe that, you know, we all believe that Jesus is the same primary beliefs. And I know some of their secondary beliefs and tertiary beliefs, those kinds of things. But frankly, the older I get, the more I'm concerned about first and first order. And I'll have a healthy debate with second order and third order. I don't even like, you know, whatever. Okay, great. You can believe that. Um, So all that being said, it's still an it's still a great thing to articulate as you've done beautifully well is this idea that, you know, what, what are the essentials that we should be, that we should know? What are the secondary principles or second order doctrines that we stand firm on, but want to be loving about it? And what are the tertiary stuff that, you know, we still hold on to, but it's not something that we're going to fight about Mm -hmm. and everyone wants to make. So what a fundamentalist does is he makes, or she makes them all essential. They're all essential and they're almost all essential to be Christians and I've heard that. I mean, that's uh, I've, I've been ex- that's kind of somewhat of a culture that I came out of. And uh, if you don't believe the same way we believe about baptism, you're not a Christian. Mm-hmm. If you don't believe what we believe about the Bible, you're not a Christian. They'd even go so far to say sometimes, like, if you don't even interpret this text the way I interpret it, you're not a Christian. And that's the opposite of the kind of diversity I think, uh, or the beauty that diversity brings, is that we start to go, you know, I, we still ought to hold on to what we believe fairly strongly but not so much where it's going to cause disfellowship and disharmony over, over sec- or tertiary issues. Um, so I think it's a, a wonderful conversation to have. Okay, so um, I think that's really helpful with thinking through, excuse me, what yeah. is essential and what secondary tertiary may be. But, yeah. um, and, and you've spoken to this a little bit, but how do we really think about these secondary issues? So when it comes to secondary issue, um, I think there's a there's a spectrum. There's yeah. like you've sort of mentioned people who raise it up too much and they're going to isolate yeah. themselves from anyone else, which, like you've said, is most of the world. Yeah, a lot of times. Yeah. Um, but then there's also a group of people who are like, well, who cares? You know, I mean, who cares? Like, let's just love each other yeah. and let's just oh, we're all Christians. Yeah. And so, how do we think about those issues if they're not the essence of Christianity and the gospel? What do we do with those issues? Yeah, I, I think probably different people would have different answers to that. I, man, a secondary issue is only one step away from a primary, so it's still super important. Like I, I think they're all important, but I don't. Uh, I, I think when I think about secondary, I'll give you a secondary issue. Uh, what I consider a secondary issue, and, and that's part of the conversation. Is most, I mean, some people might consider. You may consider X belief secondary. I might consider it a primary. And so we're going to even have a hard time talking about it in a way where I'm not super impassioned like Rachel. No, no, no. This is, this is an essential. Mm-hmm. Because I think you said it well. First orders are really essentials. Um, but, for example, uh, a secondary or second order doctrine for me is the sovereignty of God. So I believe in the doctrine of election. Uh, we teach that. We teach in systematic. We've taught it from the pulpit. Uh, I believe that God sovereignly elects people to salvation. And I also happen to believe that we have a real choice to make. I can't harmonize that. That's in the scriptures. 
I mean, that, that truth in the scriptures, I, I, I believe it because the, the Bible teaches both of those things. So it's hard for me to defend kind of philosophically uh, how, how those work. I don't know. It's the mystery of God. But I do hold that God's sovereign in all things ultimately, and I believe he's sovereign in salvation. That's a secondary issue to me um, because there are a lot of Christians, a lot of them, that don't believe that, that I consider believers. And so that's probably one of the markers is like, can someone not believe this and still be a Christian? If the answer is yes, then that's a, that's a second, at least a secondary issue, if not a tertiary issue or a third order issue. So, but that's a huge, that's a huge belief for me. It, it, it colors how I see God. It influences how I worship. I mean, it, it was a life-changing truth for me. And so uh, that's, a, that's a doctrine I'm going to engage in vigorous debate with other people, but it's not um, – the, the way I describe it in systematic is we have closed-handed issues and we have open-handed issues. I don't know if the camera can see that. So closed-handed and open-handed. So closed-handed really is, that, is the first order. You know, it's the, it's the essentials. I'm not letting this go. Uh, open-handed one means uh, – and maybe it's not the best image for it because I still want to hold on to it, but I'm not holding on it so tightly that if, if uh, I learn something better, I need to change my mind, I'll change it. But I, I, it's kind of emotionally. Like I, I want to hold on to this in a way that's light enough to have a conversation and not be super offended when, you know, Rachel may go, well, I don't think elections, you know – at least how you define it, Yancey, I don't, I don't agree with that. I'm not going to be put out. Like, what? You don't, I guess you don't love Jesus. And mm-hmm. that's the kind of stuff where um, I, I think we have to really watch ourselves with secondary issues. Frankly, we ought to watch ourselves with all these just to be, you know, my favorite word is winsome. So we ought to be able to engage winsomely with anyone. Um, but I, I think with secondary issues... I mean, they do shape the cultures of the church that they're in. So uh, our secondary issues are uh, how we see baptism. We believe in believers' baptism by immersion. Notice we don't sprinkle people here, right? Uh, So that's a secondary issue, but it so colors how we understand the scriptures that we're not willing to give it up. But we're not going to tell a Presbyterian, because I keep using them as an example, that they're not Christians. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely they are. And then when we all die and uh, uh, go to be with the Lord, or if he returns and we all enter the new heavens and the earth, he can tell us, hey, listen, you guys were right. You guys were wrong. And so um, and whatever Jesus says, I'm good with it. So I... I just think when it comes to secondary issues, you ought to hold on to them uh, strongly and you ought to know why you believe them. But at the same time, recognize that there are many good Christians who have earnestly and honestly come to the same question as you have, and it came out with different answers. And that's where I think we ought to be more, you know, when you're around Orthodox Christians, you're around Coptic Christians, you're around um, Pentecostal Christians, you're around even even cultural. So you come from uh, Latin America culture. Latin American Christians are different than African American Christians, than Anglo oftentimes. So all that stuff is is um, is a little bit different. And the tapestry of what Christianity really is, uh, it's okay to know what color you are in that tapestry. And this is why I want to be that way. I mean, theological color. But um, uh, I, I just think it's... It's a good exercise. You ought to be around people that have different. You ought to be. You ought to have Christian friends that have different secondary issues than you, because it's a great exercise mm-hmm. in showing your not just empathy but understanding, and and really a commitment to diversity. That's all. Sorry, it's a long winded yeah. answer. But. No, that's that's really helpful. And I I think that um, when you're talking about secondary issues, I can hear in your answer <clears throat> that these are issues because they're not tertiary. Mm-hmm. So they're secondary issues and. To me, what it sounds like is the gospel, the essentials of our faith impact these issues a lot. And pretty often, uh, these secondary issues either illustrate 
or like they do something, mm-hmm. something fundamental to do with the essentials as well. So yep. what baptism. Yep. So you said we don't sprinkle, we immerse because it's you're being buried with mm-hmm. Jesus yep. and being raised to light, yep. life and his spirit mm-hmm. yep. through him. And so that is actually illustrating the gospel. Yep. And it's we always say it's not magic water, nothing, right. ha- but it is. It's, it's something that that we do to illustrate and to participate. Yep. And the the death and resurrection of Jesus, and it illustrates our our hope, our you know our eschatological hope. So it matters. Oh no, man! You're just and making it. it, it I'm, I'm getting I'm getting kind of hyped up on like now. Nah, maybe it should be essential. It's <laughs> no, not, but, but, but yes, it's, con- it's it's intimately connected it with the essentials. It is, which is why it's secondary, but we can still say sure throughout history. I think history is helpful too, just oh, to recognize where yeah, we are. Yeah you know, in the history of the church. I agree. I think every Christian ought to, you know, we have a church history class. We Currently, Vijay Rajaji teaches that uh, maybe once or twice a year. And if you've never taken it, I mean, if you're listening on the pod and you're a clear creaker, man, you definitely, I'm such a big proponent of it. That's why I wanted to put it in our, our if you will, our teaching curriculum or class curriculum, class offerings. Church history is such a big deal. Um, and I'm a, I'm a, I don't want to geek out. I, so I'll try to rein myself in here, but church history is so helpful because you do see how the church has been, how the Lord has used his church and how the church has made its missteps. If it's good church history, you learn where they screwed it up too. But um, how they developed the doctrines they did, uh, you know, it. when you look at church history, all you're trying to do is you're trying, one of the things you're trying to do is honor how the Holy Spirit's worked through his people throughout the last 20 centuries. I mean, really it's a gift to us, things that we learn from, from bad mistakes and, and good decisions, but also you just get to appreciate like why, how did we develop this idea or doctrine of baptism by immersion for those who've only believed? And it's not something we just pulled out of a hat. I mean, it's it's got a deep rooted history to it. And most churches where they fight about secondary issues, they go back to church history to go, well, this is why this guy did that. And this is, and I think that's always fruitful. Even if you don't agree in the end, it's like, oh, okay, this guy, these people that I disagree with, they're not making stuff up. They actually have a history that has some ground in truth of to why they come to the positions that they do. And so you're just a lot more compassionate to their views. When I was young and just an idiot, I was probably more fundamentalist. And I, I just had a very little compassion for other people's views who claimed to be Christians that said things that I'm like, that's not what the Bible says. Uh, that, that can't be true. And as I'm uh, maybe getting mellower in my old age now, I, I'd, I'd like to think it's really just wisdom. I'm mm-hmm. looking back going, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't feel that same way anymore. I still have my convictions and I hold them dearly and I would like to think deeply. But I, I, I'm also uh, hopefully old enough and wise enough now and know a little bit about the church and her history to recognize those people who have different opinions on these secondary and especially tertiary issues. Man, there's room at the table. There's room at the table. And I could be wrong um, because I've, I've heard these arguments and I've studied them and I, I appreciate the work that they're doing. So all I care about for anyone, especially Clear Creekers, have your beliefs, just own them. Don't, don't let them be on loan, own them. Do the work and come to your own conclusions. And we're, we'll, we try to do that every Sunday. I know you guys try to do that through Clear Creek Resources. We want you guys to own your beliefs and then do so in such a way that's magnanimous with other Christians. And Jesus will straighten us all out. Mm-hmm. We ought to try to own it as well as we can, but no, I, I could still get this wrong, at least on the secondary and tertiary issues. Let me ask you about um, one part of what you're saying. Okay. It, and that is so. Like, let me go back to we were in the Holy Sepulchre, and you can. Yep. This is this is just an easy example for sure, me because yeah, you please. said not only in there are there different um, different belief systems of Christians, yep. but in Jerusalem there are different sections. Sure. So you said Arminian and 
and uh, there's the there's Ar- Armenian Armenian quarter, the Christian quarter, Christian the Jewish quarter, and the Muslim quarter. Okay, so we have Armenian and Jewish, yep. and yeah, so we have all these four sections. They're not all Christian, though. No, there's only two of them, and no one even realizes that the Armenian quarter is actually they're Armenian yes. Christians. So, nevertheless, yeah. So those are that's diversity mm-hmm. within the church. Yeah. For sure. But then you have diversity within religions. Yep. And so I just think that's important to just recognize mm-hmm. is that what you're saying is that it's good to acknowledge diversity within mm-hmm. the church. And what you're talking about is looking at scripture mm-hmm. and within the church community and trying to figure wrestle with it and figure it out. Yep. That's not the same thing as saying any belief is okay. And we just have to acknowledge. Absolutely. And the reason why I think that's important yeah. is because a lot of times when people talk about essentials and secondary and they talk about Mormonism yeah. or Jehovah's Witnesses, yeah. that is one reason why it's really important to know the difference. Because oh, sometimes sure. you're talking about within the church and sometimes you're, you're really not. No, you're, you're right. But you could still have that engagement because yeah. they don't agree with first order principles. Right. They don't. They don't agree with the essentials. Um, Mormons believe that Jesus and Satan were brothers, that Jesus is really a different God than the Father, uh, that we become like Jesus, we become like... I mean, it, it's a whole really bizarre... I'm not trying to knock, I'm just trying to be honest. It's, it's really very, it's, it, it's very really, different. It's, it's not it's the kind of system. Christianity that's historic. Yeah. That's, I mean, they've been recognized, they've been, they've been seen as and deemed as... I know it's, not, it's very un-PC to say it today, but it's, they're, they're, they have been looked at as a cult, a Christian cult, for all the right reasons, Ever since they started, mm-hmm. uh, same thing for Jehovah Witnesses who who don't even agree with it. So none of those groups that you've mentioned or any other group that's a Christian cult, the reason they are cults means that they're really not Christians, but they want to be. But the reason they're not is they don't agree with first order doctrines. Mm-hmm. They don't agree with the essentials of the gospel. Uh, they don't agree, for example, with grace. They don't believe salvation by faith alone and Christ alone. So that's the kind of stuff where um, it, it is important when we talk about like not every belief's equal. Uh, beliefs don't, just because you have a belief doesn't mean it's even good. It could be really bad. And it really doesn't even, even though it's, it feels, you feel strongly about it, it means nothing if it's not reflective of, of the truth. And so that's why we talk about the reason we own our beliefs is because we, we see them from the scriptures and we can, we can build an argument from the interpretation uh, of the scriptures of why I believe in believers baptism as an example, as we talked about, because I, I see only one pattern in the New Testament. I see faith and then baptism. I see the theological arguments in the Pauline letters um, where it talks about this is an expression of your faith. You even talked about you're buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. Those are all expressions, it seems like to me, symbols of someone who's already come to faith in Jesus. And that's all we see in the New Testament. That's why we make those arguments. The Presbyterian's going to look at that and go, well, I see your point. But what we see is this is, this is kind of like circumcision in the Old Testament, it just gets carried over to the New Testament. And they circumcised babies. Frankly, they, they circumcised male kids, not all babies. And we, we think that's, there's, there's continuity into the New Testament. That's their argument. That's the baseline of their argument. Um, I appreciate that argument. It's just not as strong as actually looking at the text of Scripture in the New Testament, in my opinion, right? But both groups are well within the Christian community because they're at least trying to argue from the Scriptures. The, uh, the groups that you mentioned, for example, like Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons, again, don't hate anybody, just trying to, they have to actually create their own scriptures to authenticate their beliefs. So Jehovah Witnesses have, they, they have the translate, they made their own translation of the Bible called the New, Word Trans- New World Translation so that they could kind of mess around with the John 1 1 passage, which just says Jesus is God. And they don't like that because they don't believe he's God. So they changed that. 
So that's their own scriptures. And then, gosh, the Mormons have the Book of Mormon, the Pearl of Great Price. They got all kinds of stuff. So I'm, I just appreciate the question. There are differences um, within the Christian community, but those that stay within the Christian community all agree with those essential doctrines. First order, you can't mess with them. Um, and those groups that you mentioned, man, those they the reason they're not within the Christian, at least not regarded within the Christian community is because they don't agree with those essentials. Mm-hmm. And they'll tell you that. I mean, they, yeah. they won't say that straight up. You have to, that's so when you talk to them, you have to talk about first order doctrines and they'll be like, nah, yeah. I mean, I had some uh, Mormons come over to my house uh, a while back and, and they, they're like, no, we don't, we don't believe in grace. You know, no, the way that you're defining Mr. Arrington, what, who Jesus is, no, we don't believe that. I'm like, cool, great. Well, now we, now you know why that, you know, Christianity really hasn't accepted the Mormons because mm-hmm. we don't agree on first essential, we don't agree with first order doctrines. So it was just a good conversation. Uh, they hightailed it out of there once they realized that, that they weren't going to win an argument. But nevertheless, um, I, I really appreciate the question because I think um, what we're really talking about for the most part are going back to the Holy Sepulchre, all those people in there would have agreed with first order doctrines. Mm-hmm. And they would have, because they would have opened their Bibles. Frankly, most of those people probably in that building knew their Bibles better than I did. And um, just their devotion, the how they do it, uh, the kind of the, the the rigor that they have to their faith was inspiring to me and convicting at the same time. But in that, but overall, I was like, ah, oh, this is just a family reunion. This is what this is. I don't know these people. I'm probably a little standoffish because I'm, I'm shy, believe it or not, when, when I'm around that. But I'm amazed at the the beautiful kind of culture that they bring into the faith. It was, it was awesome. It does make you fired up for the end of revelation when it says mm-hmm. all tribes and tongues and nations all gather together. It's, it's overwhelming. I've said that again, but it's, it's truly is that it is. And it is beautiful. Yeah. So when, when you're talking about all of these things, um, again, just trying to like help people yeah. get to where they need to get, um, you're talking about the essentials. This is, mm-hmm. these are the essentials of our faith. Yep. Yeah. So that's what we hold in common. And then when we have disagreements, we're really talking about the interpretation of scripture. Correct. So how do we interpret our holy scripture? Mm-hmm. And what, is that, what does that mean for the faith? And how does that interact with our essentials? But then when you're talking about people who really are outside of the faith, they're going to have disagreement with both of those things. Yes. So they're going to disagree about the essentials. So yep. Jesus is not God. Nope. You know, and, and most, yeah. I think I would say all the cults and other religions, they yep. would Jesus say that. Is not Jesus God. is not God. Scripture's is, not enough. Yeah, and scriptures. As we have it. Scripture's not Christian enough. scriptures aren't yes. enough. and then they have their own scripture. Yep. They have a different, separate yeah. They have extra biblical yes, stuff. That they're, yeah. that they're looking at. And I just think those are two sort of, if you hear those two things, those are sort of warning signs that, you know, maybe maybe dig a little bit deeper, which you also said it takes work. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's super helpful, Rachel. Those, those, those kind of two to three characteristics when you talk to people, I'd also say uh, a fourth one would be grace. You know, the guy, we believe ultimately that Jesus comes to save us based on his goodness, not ours. And none of the, they're all those that you've mentioned, they're all works-based. Every one of them is works-based. Uh, so if you're working your way to heaven, that's probably another sign that uh, it's probably not the Christian faith you're looking at. Mm-hmm. And all those deny uh, salvation by grace through faith in Jesus alone. All of them do. So I feel like we are pretty clear on the essential secondary. What is an example? Because I think some people get sort of nervous. Like, mm-hmm. well, I was taught this when I was young. Sure. And yeah. I don't really know how to think through these things. Yeah. Do you have an example of something you've worked through? Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, I, there's... 
I don't know if is the question like, I mean, there are a lot of things that, well, I've worked through everything that I can think of because that's just how I'm built. I have to work through. That you change your mind about. Oh, that I've changed my yeah. mind about. So have you ever yeah. like been talking, thinking about a secondary issue and you're like, I used to think this, oh, for but sure. actually now I think it's yeah. this. And like, it matters. Po- like podcasts. I thought they were evil. <laughs> now I, yeah, I, there's I a, a, a ton of them. Um, so it's kind of the ones that off the top of my head here, like the my view on end times. My view of the millennium changed. I was a, I was in one camp, and pretty pretty solidly in that camp. Uh, it's what I grew up in. It's how I was taught. It's what I studied. And then uh, as I continued to study the scripture, I just and I actually had a buddy of mine said, "Hey, you ought to read this." You know, he challenged me on what I. He said, "Hey, what do you believe about this?" I'm like, "Ah, oh, man, I'm this because I love Jesus and believe the Bible." <laughs> and then he just said, "Well, why don't you read this this chapter in this book and." You know, it's 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 really a challenge to your position. And I'm like, oh, cool. Uh, I had some time, and I read it, and I thought, I, I always have uh, tried to live by the principle that if if you can show me something, if you can show me a better biblical argument to something that I hold that's different than what I currently hold, then I'm I'm bound to I have to change. If I'm convinced that no, that's a what. So if you and I had two different views, and you're like Yancey, you just Listen, here's the argument for my view on this thing. I'm, I'm Y, you're X, but I think you'll, you'll want to be Y after reading this. If it's a better argument and explains the scriptures better, then I feel bound to, to go, yeah, I, I'm not going to believe in X anymore. I'm going to believe in Y. I, I just need to work through that because the commitment needs to be ultimately to truth. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to interpret the scriptures as best we can. So um, because of that, I've, I've changed my, my view on uh, the millennium. I've changed my, I probably changed my view back and forth on spiritual gifts. Sometimes I don't know. I think there's some, and I'm okay to not know things for sure, but I'm okay to have mystery. Like, you know, I think it's this, but I could be, I'm, I, I really hold this pretty loosely. But whenever I wake up uh, from, you know, on this side of the bed, I don't believe. And when I do uh, wake up on this side of the bed, I, I kind of believe this other thing. So I would say spiritual gifts are, are, is, a, is a doctrine I've changed on. I think that's really helpful, even just to say that, that there are some doctrines that are secondary mm-hmm. that you might not be completely sure of. Yeah. And yeah. that's okay. Oh, for sure. It's yeah. not that you don't think they matter. Yeah. You're just not completely sure. Yeah. And I think uh, biblical literalism. I mean, the more I've tried to study how the Bible is, the way that it is, you know, especially like going through when we talk about how to study the Bible, that class, we talk about the different genres and the ways that you interpret the Bible. I did not do that growing up when I was little, uh, when I was young. I was kind of like one, one size fits all. This is how you do it. It's pretty wooden interpretation of everything and didn't respect the culture in which that thing was formed. The thing, the Bible was formed. Those books were formed. Authorial intent. I mean, all kinds of stuff. So, uh, and yet I would argue I have a, I think a very high view of the scriptures, as high as it gets. I think it's God's very word to us, um, superseded only by Jesus, the one to whom it points. And so, but those are things that I've changed on over the years. And, and uh, who knows, I may change on things uh, in the future um, because there may be something that I, or we discover, you know, there could always be an archeological discovery or a cultural discovery or even, frankly, a scientific discovery that may have to impact how we interpret the scriptures. And I'm always wanting to be open to that. So, um, but so far, those are the things that, that come to my mind. Um, well, let me ask you this question, because, um, again, I want to make sure that no one is listening to this thinking, okay, these things don't matter. Oh, so even yeah. when it comes yeah. to like um, miracles or spiritual gifts. Sure. So um, I'm probably a cessationist. I don't okay. think that miracles happen in the same way as they did during... 
uh, Jesus and the apostles' time. Can I define that? So, sure. uh, so what I would argue, what I would define cessationist doesn't mean that you don't believe in miracles. It just and means that you don't believe people hold the spiritual gift of performing miracles yes. today or the residual gift of, you know, they're not going out and raising the dead or causing the blind to see in a way that they could just right. do it at will uh, is what we see in Acts as opposed to what you're not saying is God has ceased doing any miracles. Right. Okay. Okay, thank you. Well, I know what you believe about yeah, that. I do too. No. I'm just saying for the listener, I don't want yes. them to think, oh, Rachel doesn't believe in miracles. No, that's really helpful. End of the podcast. So <laughs> so all I want to say about that is that it's definitely secondary, mm-hmm. right? That is not the essentials of the Christian faith. Yep. That doesn't affect the gospel. Right. But it does have a lot of practical implications. Sure. I have friends who think otherwise, yep. and that affects how they pray. Yep. It affects their expectations. I think sometimes it affects you know what they think the promises of the gospel can be so it's connected yeah. and it, re- it relates and matters, but it's also a complicated issue. Yeah. So it's still worth thinking through and trying to figure out for yourself. It still matters. Sure. So it's still worth the work. Yeah. Um, you know, as long as it says the word doctrine at the end, it matters. Even if it's a third order tertiary doctrine, it all matters. The question to me is um, how intensely do you want to fight about certain things and how, how opened handed do you want to open handed do you want to be about about this and so the the higher up it goes the more that fist closes around that belief i'll i'll give you one for me like uh, we are complementarians uh, what that means is and we've talked about this before what that means is that we understand the best when we come to the bible as honestly as we can we understand that to be like it seems like for the role of elders in the church uh, that's given to a, a specific group of people uh, one of the qualifications is that you're is that you're a man uh, and we also see that reflected in the home and the leadership that's a unique belief but it's actually been a belief for 2000 years in the christian faith generally speaking people might want to argue that but it's it's going to be hard to argue um we come to that same conclusion, but there there are people who are egalitarians that would say, no, there aren't any distinctions between men and women for these kinds of roles, uh, maybe even in general for any role. They don't want to have gender-based roles. That depends on which egalitarian you talk to. And um, I, I, I remember even in college having to write a paper on it, engage with, I had to defend my paper, which was basically on compliment. It was, it was the Pauline role of women in the church. That was my paper. It was my final, it's kind of a thesis. And I had to defend it before uh, three liberal theologians and a feminist theologian. And recognizing that there there are Christians that honestly, and I mean honestly, come to the scriptures and they have different conclusions. Probably 15 years ago, I'd be like, I don't. I mean, I, I just rather fight those people. Now I'm like, you know, that's cool. If that's how you honestly interpret the scriptures, you don't see any distinctions. Um, I don't see that, but I can see the case that you're trying to make. It's not. It doesn't convince me, but I appreciate the honesty behind it. What what you don't want to do, um, and I'm just using this as an example, but for any belief system, you don't want to try to find what you'd like to believe and then make up a pathway through the scriptures where you're kind of closing your eyes to some mm-hmm. things and opening your eyes to others and overemphasizing a passage that doesn't, just so that you can come to the position that makes you more comfortable. You, you, you let the Bible form your convictions. You don't do it the other way around. And far too often what happens is, uh, and I see this all the time, uh, especially with our kids. If, if something happens to our kids or our kids do something or they come to a belief system that, that really doesn't, doesn't reflect the scriptures, all of a sudden now, parents are like, well, you know, I kind of believe that now, and I think Jesus is okay with that, and I'm going to find someone that believes what I want to believe now so that I can kind of rubber stamp that this is okay as a Christian. That's not what you want to do. 
And so I don't even know why I'm running off this no, rabbit trail. No, I think trail. that's super helpful. Yeah. Like we, again, we're informed, we're informed and formed by scripture. Yeah. We don't let culture or our own, you know, belief system inform how we view scripture and doctrine. Yeah. And even within that, I think that you, you have to understand the doctrine. You have to, you, do. you have to, um, you know, do all that work to really understand it so that you're able to, to see the difference in your own heart yeah. and in the culture, because even if you if you have a clear understanding of your doctrine, there's also different applications. Oh, for sure. Because I think for that sure. people get confused, like, oh, we're applying this doctrine yeah. differently in order to love and serve people yeah. well. Yeah. And that might look different, yeah. but it's the same doctrine. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I come to the... So I've had friends of mine that were egalitarians that are now complementarians because of the scriptures. I have, I have some that were complementarians that are now egalitarians. And uh, what I appreciate about, about either one of those groups is that they tried to honestly come to the text uh, of the text of scripture and and not try to hedge their bet or kind of show favoritism to one side or the other and that's all I care about ultimately is that journey and that you're trying to be honest with it because these people may not stay there. They, 10 years later, they may come to some other place. They may read something. They think, ah, you know what? That actually articulates the scriptures better, better makes a, uh, an, an interpretive argument for it than what I hold. I, I need to, we're always in ebb and flow. And again, I don't think that's with the essentials. I think it's with pretty much everything mm-hmm. else. And, uh, but they're all important, as you said, because they all influence how we, how we see God, how we understand the gospel, its implications, how we live our lives. Uh, what kind of uh, gives us joy and what kind of gets us in a bind and uh, what are the things we're going to kind of stand for and fight about. And so uh, Clear Creek, people can just rest assured that the the elders at least, and I think this is really all throughout our church from our navigators um, as well, I mean, we really do, we've tried to really own our beliefs. Um, we didn't just download them from some website and go, well, whatever these guys believe, we believe. I mean, we, we try to own it. And it's why we teach systematic theology to lay people. I mean, we, I don't know many churches that do that, but we, we take a big, thick 1,200-page book of systematic theology, and we work through it. And we don't even agree with a lot of the stuff or a lot things in there. We'll talk about, like, hey, we don't agree with this, and here's why. And, um, you know, a thinking Christian is a really good thing and um, because it allows them to own their faith in a way that's that's helpful. And hopefully, the more they mature in that faith, they'll start to see, like, hey, these are the primary things I'm going to hold on to and everything else. Um, I'm going to hold on to maybe not as tightly. Or at least I'm going to be as gracious in those things when I dialogue with other Christians because um, we have people at Clear Creek from all kinds of backgrounds. We have people uh, that we have people that would say that they pray in a private spiritual language that would call speaking in tongues. Uh, we'd have people that, that would go, no, that's crazy. I only speak in one language. It's called English. We have people that are in the middle going, I, d- I don't know either way. And and we're again, that's a tertiary issue. We're we're not mm-hmm. gonna we're not gonna be a church that takes secondary and tertiary issues and making primary issues. Um, that's really the definition of a fundamentalist that I think is unhelpful. Uh, I, d- I just think that's it's almost anti-gospel in a lot of ways. Uh, so uh, I'm I'm grateful for the church that we have and. You know, what you can always know about us is we're always going to try to be learning and growing. That's part of the faith. We're always going to try to grow in our um, sanctification. That's definitely true. So I think sometimes whenever people hear conversations like this, you know, when we say doctrine, theology, church history, it's a little intimidating. Sure. And so, um, you know, if someone's listening and they're like, okay, well, I want to really know. What are those primary doctrines? What, What are the essentials so that I can love people well who I'm trying to reach? Maybe it's some a friend who's a Mormon or whatever it yeah, is, yeah. Um, and I want to care about the secondary issues that matter. Yeah. 
And I also want to know what is tertiary? How, how can they sort of take a first step? What's a sort of a pathway to getting to where they just feel comfortable, even basically with that? Yeah, I think the first step, it's, it's going to sound, I, this, I, I don't mean this to sound trite at all or formulaic. I really do think the first step is getting a small group. Uh, here's why. One, you're going to get you're going to get used to the practice of opening your Bible and talking about it with other people. Two, you're going to get used to opening your Bible and talking about it with other people that don't agree with you. Third, you're going to get used to opening your Bible and talking about it with people that don't agree with you, and you've got to figure out what you believe. Just that dynamic alone is uh, really kind of a, a great kind of um, you know minor league system to develop the skill set and, and, and strengths of being able to know what you believe and articulate that and then being gracious with people that don't agree with you and then also being pushed to go why why do I believe this so I, I really do think small groups are the best place to do that um, and then then I would say you know you might want to consider coming to some of our classes we, we use these classes to really assist small groups not to fight against them we want to enhance your experience in small groups so if you're like well I don't know really what the Bible says because I don't really know how to read it I, I mentioned it I'll bring it again you need to say it again you need to go into you know how to study the Bible uh, and frankly if you're a woman we have two classes we have how to study the Bible we have women of the word which they kind of do the same thing but one's in a gender uh, specific gender environment uh, for people that would want that um, I, I, I do think it would probably help people to get into s- some kind of systematic theology, which we offer. Um, we, we tend to offer it once or twice a year. Uh, we even have that as a gender specific for women uh, with Mandy Turner. So I think those are the kinds of things that, that I know. I mean, I did my doctoral dissertation on, on the power of adult spiritual formation with learning theology. You're right. It's scary. It's intimidating because people don't know anything about it. But all we're talking about is the study of Christian, the Christian faith. I think that's where people can start. Um, you know, if anything, uh, grab. Um, you know, I, I think we use uh, for our navigators. We use essential beliefs by Wayne Grudem. I mean, that's a good place to start. Although you, you could argue not all those are essential beliefs. Some of those are secondary beliefs in there, but they're really good beliefs to talk about. Like what 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 we believe generally speaking at Clear Creek. We give that to every navigator. And so uh, maybe if someone is hearing that, you can go get that and go work through that with your group, work through that, because I know groups do that, or you could do that with a friend, but just start somewhere, just start mm-hmm. somewhere. But there's nothing, 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 nothing that beats being a part of the Christian community through small group. And I would say, you know, be a regular attender to our services. I mean, we just, we, we're, we talk about the doctrines of the faith all the time. We just don't say it like that. We just, we talk about how they're expressed through God's word. Every time we open up God's word to preach for 35 minutes or so, um, you're going to learn what the Bible says about whatever particular passage we're studying. And you're going to hear the essentials all the time. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. Because we're, we're, you know, gospel centrality is one of our values. Uh, you're going to try to hear that. You're going to try to hear how all those things that, that we talk about in the Christian faith are all tied to or move through or have their essence in the gospel and the person work of Jesus. And so I think that's pretty formative. And I, I think it, well, it's all formative. Um, so... That's, that would be my answer to that. All right. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. This was really helpful. Thanks yeah, for being I hope here. So. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you guys so much for listening today. I hope this conversation was helpful. If you want to watch the video of this podcast or share it with a friend, you can find it at clearcreekresources.org, where you can also find articles, music, and a lot more. Again, I'm Rachel. Thanks so much for joining us today.